me, if you will, for the reverence of reading God's word and coming to you tonight. And honestly, a little sad, but a little excited because we get to move forward, but we will be concluding selfie uh, tonight. How many of y'all have enjoyed this series and saying it was life changing? Come on. You know, honestly, Sunday, Sunday, I, I left here and, you know, as a, as a preacher, sometimes I just question myself. I'm like, man, I think I really missed it Sunday. You know, sometimes I share stuff and I'm like, ah, I don't know. It felt like I was plowing rocks. And man, I got so many responses from Sunday's message um, and how much, um, how much it helped them because it was such a practical message as we looked at 11 signs that you're losing your soul. And so we, you know, we started with love the Lord, with uh, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all your mind, and with all your soul. And uh, so we've been in the soul. Um, just Sunday we kicked it off, and tonight we're going to conclude on it. And I want to go to a Matthew 11. I want to teach you tonight. I want to break a scripture apart for you. It's going to be very practical teaching again tonight, but it's going to be something that you need to take home and you need to chew. Amen. You know how I know my wife is chewing on it because she says, "Remember what you just preached Sunday." That's right, thanks, because I forgot. Matthew 11 and 28 says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Verse 29. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and I'm humble in heart. You will find rest for your souls. Father, we thank you for your word, for it is indeed the very words of God. God, your word we have hidden in our heart that we might not sin against you. Father, I pray tonight over your word that it would be activated and alive, sharper than any two-edged sword, and it would divide the soul from the spirit. Father, speak to our souls tonight, the eternal being sitting in this room. Not the jars of clay, but the treasure hidden inside. Father, begin to scrape back the dirt and the dust that has so easily defiled us, God, that we may see the purpose, God, alive inside of us, living with passion, righteousness, and holiness, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Father God, we thank you that over these last 10 services, Father, you have performed a master surgery on our hearts and our minds and in now even our souls. We thank you, Father, that your word is though a sword, it's like a finely pointed pen that scribes upon our hearts, God, that we may know you and know your word. Father, we ask you tonight as a sower of the seed, God, that this soil would be ready and open to receive the word of God. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And all of God's people said, amen. amen. Turn to somebody and tell them soul care. Soul care. Soul care. Amen, amen, and amen. <clears throat> I want to talk to you tonight just for a few moments because as we live in such a selfie-centered world, we also live in a very self-care-driven uh, mentality. There's a lot of people, even myself, I've said, you know, self-care is real health care, Right? Self-care is real health care. But hear me now, because we can be an error in self-care when our self-care is not connected to our soul care. Do you hear what I'm saying? 
I'm not here to preach to you that every day is going to be a Friday because it's not, bro. I'm not here to tell you that your life is going to be peaches and creams as you follow Christ. I'm not going to tell you that it's like a magic carpet ride and God's like a genie that you rub him just the right way and poof, you get whatever you're asking for. The truth is, is that this walk is full of trial. This walk is full of turmoil. This walk is full of problems. It is full of hurt. It is full of pain, but it is full of confidence. It is full of assurity. It is full of security. It is full of anointing. It is full of purpose. It is full of power. It is full of the supernatural. But you've got to learn to walk with him. So, so we're not going to get so focused on self-care that, 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 that we get in the ditch that it's all about me. Because the truth and the heart of this whole series has been that you're only as good for anybody else if you're good for yourself. Did you catch what I said? The whole reason why we got to be okay is because there's a lot of people around us that are not okay. There's a lot of people around us that are hurting, that are down and that are without. There's a lot of people that need what we have but my challenge to you tonight is do you have it? Matthew 11 and 28 Jesus says these words that I'll, I'll be honest with you I believe that this scripture is something that needs to be grafted into our hearts because You know, one of the things that is so easily identifiable in the world that we live in today is how restless the world is. It's it's restless everywhere you go. There's a picture viral right now on social media. Some woman, I don't know the story, so don't throw rocks at me. But she's got a pistol and she's in a parking lot or something. And her face, she's full of anger and she's pointing the pistol. And I mean, the woman just flipped. And, and we see throughout, you know, all the all the prophets of Baal, they're all speaking about turmoil and food shortages and wars and Russia and, and the draft and all of this stuff. And, and, and the job of the world is to try to speak restlessness into our souls so that we become weary and we become tired. But Jesus rises up in the midst of weariness and in the midst of tired. And he says, come to me, all you who are weary, heavy laden and burdened. And I will give you rest. Don't get caught up in this junk. If you get caught up in this junk, it's because you're not caught up in him. Did you hear what I said? So like every rabbi, because that's what Jesus was, he was a teacher. The Bible says that even the religious leaders marveled at what authority he taught with. And, and so as a teacher, uh, that's what that word means, rabbi. Teach, as a teacher, Jesus had two things. The first thing that he had was a yoke. And, and allow me to teach tonight for a few moments to set the foundation of where we're going. Jesus had a yoke, and you need to understand something. A, a, a yoke, if, if you know what a yoke is, it's a, it's a wooden shoulder piece often worn by oxen, and it would have a, a place for one ox and another ox, and, and they, would, they would be yoked together, that they would walk shoulder to shoulder, and that they would you know, pull a load, and, and weight would be placed upon that yoke, and it would be, it would be something that would be pulled. It would be something that would be drugged. Can I ask you something? If Jesus is talking to people that are tired, weary, burdened, and you come to him and he, the first thing he tells you is says, take my yoke upon you. In other words, take my work upon you. What? 
you, you, you mean I can't come to you and you say, take my vacation upon you, take my Sabbath upon you, take my bed upon you. But yet, yet you're telling me, my God, this is good. You're telling me that if I come to you, that there's a work in you that while I'm working, I can be at rest. There is, see, there is a way that we are able to work unto the Lord that actually revives us while we do it, that restores us while we do it, that refreshes us while we do it. Do you hear what I'm saying? But I need you to understand something because a lot of times we read, we read the Bible culturally and that's a lot of where we get in error because Jesus was not, you know, a white dude that looked like he attended Woodstock, though we paint pictures of him because culturally that's what we think Jesus is. All right, go ahead and let that rock hit you. Shake it off. It'll be all right. <clears throat> I used to, I used to, you know, never mind. I'm not even going Grandma's picture of Jesus on the wall used to bother me so bad because I'm like, take your idol down. Jesus did not go to Woodstock. Anyways, <laughs> Lord help me. Let me stay on track. But we culturally, we have a culturally driven Jesus. And so we culturally read the Bible. And so when we think yoke, we, we actually, we look at the yoke as the, the terms. And while it does mean that, there's something culturally that you need to understand. Uh, because this, the, the, the other thing that, that Jesus would have had would have been known as his yoke. And the yoke of a rabbi was the way that the rabbi read and taught the Torah. The way that a rabbi read and taught the Torah and the way that your rabbi, your teacher, instructed you in life, it was called his yoke. Okay. Woo! Yeah, 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 yeah. There you go. There's some revelation. So Jesus maybe isn't talking about work as much as he is word. See, what if when we come to Jesus and we're tired and we're burdened and, and, and we're, we're looking for permission for a vacation and Jesus is saying, take my yoke, take my instruction upon you. See that it is easy and the burden is light. Take my word upon you and see that it is easy and the burden is light. So the yoke of a teacher was the way that, that, that rabbis would, would, would teach the Torah, the way that they, they spoke about your life and how to deal with the issues of life. And rabbis often discipled young men to train them and equip them, not just through the laws and, and, and through the word of God, but also in life. They, they would deal with them about things that they were facing. That it is the concept of discipleship that even before Christ's time, discipline of disciples, training, equipping men, uh, for the ministry and for the work. And, uh, and so we find that Jesus comes though and he says, he says, take my yoke upon you and see that it is easy. Yes. See, out of all of this though, Jesus was unique because Jesus's yoke was easy. Uh -huh. yeah. And the word yoke and easy would have never culturally nor naturally went together. There was nothing easy about a yoke. If you looked at a yoke of oxen, the word easy was not on your mind. If you sat under a really great rabbi, their yokes were known to be strong. Their yokes were known to be tough. But Jesus comes teaching about a kingdom that says, take my yoke upon you and see that it is easy and the burden is light. The second thing that Jesus had, I want to talk to you. So you understand the second thing. So the first thing that he has 
is he has a yoke. The second thing he has is followers. But in the Hebrew, again, we got to understand the Hebrew, uh, Jesus's word for the followers, the word that was used as those that followed him, uh, was, was tell, excuse me, tell medium, tell medium, which is usually translated as the word that we all use as disciple. But catch this, an even better, more accurate description of that word was apprentices. Hold on. See, to be one of Jesus' Talmidium is to be an apprentice under Jesus. So think about what an apprentice does. If you're an apprentice to an electrician, I'll never forget Eric Burns telling me uh, during his apprenticeship as an electrician, he told me about the man that taught him in, in, in the electrical world. And it was there that, you know, as an apprentice, you sit and you watch. Hold on. This is going to help some people tonight. It's going to really help you in your walk. As an apprentice, you sit and you watch the master electrician perform the task and you watch and you observe and then he'll start bringing you in a little bit and as he brings you in he may say hey go get me this and you got to go get it and you better get the right thing and or he'll say hey take this and connect it here and, and he'll sit back and watch you but then he may take control from time to time and you're watching and you're gleaning in the whole time and then there comes a day that the master electrician doesn't show up anymore and now it's on you to do the job and you better do it just like the master electrician did and the word Talmidium means more like an apprentice and what we got to find out is that Jesus yes called us to be his disciples but I need you to understand there is a greater concept on your life but more of that of an apprentice that he came as the master and when he came he brings us in and he shows us what our purpose is he shows us what we were made for and from time to time he'll he'll ask us to be a part he'll ask us to go pray for this one he'll ask us to, to go and help this family and then he steps back but then he may step in and take control and then there's a time that Jesus steps all the way back and he says run go do be for the master such as the kingdom of God as a master of a field that having the field left and turned it over to his servants coming back to find out with what they had done with what he entrusted into their care so we find this concept that Jesus he had a yoke but he had Disciples, he had apprentices that would follow him, and evidently, when he's not there, our hope should be to pattern his ways. Do you hear what I'm saying tonight? See, but Jesus teaches his apprentices in Matthew 11 about how to care for their souls. That's what all this is about, Matthew 11. Because Jesus understands that they will be no good for anybody else if they themselves are not good. And he begins to address their souls. He begins to speak about how they can take care of their souls. To, to realize that, that when we do things, we got to do things as unto the Lord and not as unto men. And, and that there is a work that, that the Lord asks us to do and it comes with ease and it comes with rest. It comes with refreshing. Let me encourage somebody here tonight. If you are on the verge of burnout, you are not burning for him. 
comes a time where you got to understand that Jesus said, I will build my church. Who will? He will. And so there is a freedom. There is a liberty. Come on, somebody. Do you hear what I'm saying? Maybe it's on your job. You're, you're facing burnout. What would happen if you started working that job as unto the Lord and not as unto the name on the bottom of your check? Maybe then there'll become rest even while you work. And if you don't have rest at work, have three kids and you won't be able to, you can't wait to get to work. Amen. Amen. They thought I was happy to be there. Nah, bro, I was happy to get away from all that. Let me stop. Let me stop. That's not the fatherly thing to say, Kyle. That's not the fatherly thing to say. Y'all act like you ain't ran to your work. Talking about the Lord is a strong tower and so is my work. I run into it and I'm safe. Um, but I believe this to be so fitting to conclude the selfie series because I just want to take Matthew 11 and I want to break it down. Will you give me just a few minutes to do that tonight? I want to break this scripture apart and find out how it is that we truly have soul care and how do we care for our souls? How do we find rest for our souls? The first thing that we find in Matthew 11 and 28 is Jesus. You can pull the scripture up. Jesus starts off with these words. Come to me. Come to me. See, there is a calling that you need to understand to come to him. See, and I think a lot of times in our life that how we begin to depreciate in our purpose and how we begin to lose sense and focus of what we were made for is that we come to everything else. Come on, we come to everybody's beck and call. Y'all ain't never said that before. I'm sick and tired of coming to everybody's beck and call. See, we come to everybody else, but Jesus is standing there and saying, hey, 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 come to me. Come to me. There is an intimate call to come to the Lord. It's the most beautiful and generous invitation of Jesus. He's saying, let's have time together. See, the things and the people that you fill your time with will shape the trajectory of your life. The old saying, birds of a feather flock together. I said, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. So if we take the concept of who you're spending time with, let me ask you something. Where are you going? Oh, y'all real quiet tonight. So if the focal point of our time determines the trajectory of where we are going, who are you spending time with? What are you spending time with? Because in the corner is the voice of intimacy that calls and says, come to me. Let's spend time together. Let's get to know one another. See, there's a lot of people that know the Lord, but my challenge to you tonight is, does he know you? Because I read my Bible, and in reading my Bible, he said, for many will come to me on that day and say, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Cast out devils. And he will say, depart from me, for I never knew you. Amen. He didn't say that I didn't know him. My God, get, 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 get this. He never said that I didn't know him. He said, depart from me, for I never knew you. Are we spending enough time with the Lord not just to get to know him, but to know that he knows us. Because that's the kind of relationship he's looking for. That is the yoke that he's wanting to establish in our lives. The second thing that he says is he says, uh, come to me all you who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Verse 29. 
He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Somebody say learn. learn. See, we have so much to learn in the teachings and in the truth of Jesus. I'll tell you, you know, reading my Bible, I've, I've read it front to back just a couple of times. But every time that I have, every time that I have, there's something new. And it's like, I never saw that before. God will speak something new. God will stir my heart in another way. He'll convict me of something else. See, he said, learn from me. Come to me and, and then learn from me. See, he, he taught using parables. He led by example. He healed. He prayed. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And But see, a lot of Christians put the emphasis on the truth part. But what about the part when he said the way and the life? Let me ask you something. I know Jesus may be your truth, but is he your life? I know he may be your truth, but is he your life? What are you yoked to? What are you hooked to? What are you living your life for? What are you shoulder to shoulder with? Because whatever you're shoulder to shoulder with determines the trajectory of your soul. The third thing, I've only got four. See how quick y'all are going to be out of here? As he says these words, he said, take my yoke upon you. And see, I've already talked about this a little bit, but while a yoke is a work instrument, it seems as though the last thing exhausted people would want is a yoke. One more thing. You know, the truth is a lot of us say the expression, I've got a lot on my plate. And a lot of people, when they talk about you, they say, man, he's got a lot of irons in the fire. Let me tell you something. While I may have a lot on the plate, while I may have a lot of irons in the fire, I don't want any iron burning hotter than my relationship with Jesus. I don't want no more plate, any more plate than, than that that is serving the bread of life into my life. I want the word. I want him. And, and so we've got to understand that, that in this life, there is a yoking, there is a connection, but it has to be with the Lord if we're going to really take care of our souls. Everything else in this life will destroy your soul. Everything Everything else in this life will deplete your soul. Everything else in this life will pull on your soul. But he is the one that said, if you come to me, I'll refresh it. I'll refill it. I'll restore it. And I just want to remind you from Sunday morning's teaching, your soul is the eternal part of you. The Bible said in Genesis that Rebecca, as she was departing, as her soul was departing, she named Benjamin. And so we find that it's our soul that really matters. I think it was the great preacher, John Wesley, who said, God, give me a million souls or take my life. Give me a million souls or take my life. Where is the hunger in the church for the souls of men? Come on, we want all the systems. We want all the shiny lights. We want the great music. But where is the hunger of souls? Souls for Jesus. Souls for the kingdom of God. Realizing that there's not people sitting in these chairs. They are souls. With an eternal destination. Whether it be heaven or whether it be hell. And where is our conviction? Where is our hunger to see souls saved, set free, carrying kingdom revelation? See, I think a lot of times 
when it comes to taking yokes upon us, we think things like Netflix binging and spa days. That's what fixes us. But you know, I'm going to tell you, even tonight as I was sitting in here and worship, you know, because I'll be honest with you, I just had a lot of junk on my brain when I got in here tonight. And then tonight in worship, I was so easily reminded of why this place is so special. And these words came to my spirit, life-changing. You know, this place is life-changing. A service at Dominion Church is life-changing. And I think we need to have an emphasis in this house that every time we gather, it be another life-changing experience. Even if it's just one life, do you hear what I'm saying? Even if it's just one soul, but but we got to have a hunger again to see life-changing moments with God because it's in the moments of God, regardless of what you're going through, regardless of what's bogging your brain, regardless of, of, of what's come against you, they'll pressed on every side, they'll cast down but not destroyed. I, I want to remind you tonight that there is a rest, there is a resting and an, a restoring of your soul that only comes from the Lord. Everything else in this life will pull on your soul but he is the one that promises to restore it to replenish it and to refresh it so how do we have soul care we make sure that we're intentional to spend time with the Lord to be intentional to be about his work and in his presence we learn a simple set of practices from Jesus things like building in the rhythms of silence and solitude away from the noise and the notifications see building in proper rest and the practice of simplicity and the practice of a sabbath you know jesus said birds have nests and foxes have holes but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head and while some of you would have pity on the idea of thinking Jesus was poor. I'll tell you, my God, how simple his life must have been. Do you hear what I'm saying? I wonder sometimes if we miss the revelation. Jesus said, I'm not going to be weighted down with a house payment. I got something to, my God, y'all, oh, you don't like this, but I'm going to tell it anyways. I'm not going to be weighted down with a house payment. I'm not going to be weighted down with having to show up and be here on this person's clock all the time. I got to be about my father's business. There's a mandate on my life. There's a calling. There's a purpose. I'm yoked to him. And there's something I got to do with him that I can't be yoked to you, yoked to your plan, yoked to your will, yoked to your promises and still fulfill everything that he's put on my life. I'm not telling you to quit your job. I'm telling you to be responsible. But what I am saying is I wonder so much if we don't just inflict our own souls. It's like my daddy told me one time some of the wisest wisdom he ever told me. He said, son, because I told myself when I was young, I said, I can't wait, you know, get older and make a bunch of money. And, you know, I won't because we grew up dirt floor poor. We really did. Six kids in a 900 square foot house. You can do the math on that. Six kids eight people in just over a 900 square foot house no central heat in there and so i had this mentality like i can't wait i'm gonna have you know i'm gonna have new cars i'm gonna have a bigger house blah 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 blah. and the truth is i did all that i sure did you know what i found out i was a whole heck of a lot more miserable with all that stuff 
And there was a cry in me to take me back to simplicity. Jesus practices a pattern of simplicity and showing that it's easy and the yoke is light. And I think sometimes we get so consumed with the cares and the worries of this world that in doing so, our souls begin to get depleted. We begin to become self-destructive and putting weight on us that God never intended. Stand with me all over the house. Brooke, you can come up to the keys. In closing, I want to say this to you. Jesus says, follow me. And that simple call to follow him is an invitation of apprenticeship. He's saying, spend time with me. Learn from me. Be in my word. Copy the details of my life. Take the template of my day-to-day life and implement it as your own. So when I look at Jesus' template, I see where he, many times the scripture said that he had compassion on people. I would ask you tonight, what's lacking from your soul? Is it compassion? Is it care? Is it empathy? Is it sympathy? What's lacking from your your soul and in your life in comparison to the pattern that Jesus outlined? Because I don't believe that any man ever lived his life more for the glory of God than God himself in the flesh, Jesus Christ. And here's the amazing thing. Many of us, if we live a full, ripe old age, will be somewhere probably in our 70s. The Bible says that man won't live past 70 and any day he does, it's a blessing. So we know a man's given 70 years. If God doesn't intervene in the, it, it before then. But, so I've got 70 years to get to the mark of completion that God has laid out before me. But do you understand that it only took Jesus three and a half? Why? Why? Because I believe he patterned his soul after simplicity. He knew what it was to take the Father's yoke upon him and to learn from the Father. He said things like, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, and I do nothing unless I see the Father first do it. So it tells me that Jesus was always watching the Father, and here's a man's life that in three and a half years was brought to fulfillment. From the time of his ministry beginning to the completion, three and a half years. And, I, and so I want to challenge you tonight and say, what are you striving for? You, you're so worried about this image of how people see you, but how does he see you? What if it's not about all the things? What if all the things are a distraction for the enemy to get your attention and to detract you and derail you from the destiny that God has for you? What if it's not about a big house and and, and, and five cars? What if it's not about nice new clothes? What if it's not about even being married? We get so self-centered focused that I believe we miss him in the moments of stillness. I want to read something to you. Psalms 23. Psalms 23. I didn't give you all this scripture, but if you can, can you pull it up? Psalms 23, verses 1 through 6. I want to tell you tonight. How do you take care of your soul? Your soul will be revived 
as you learn to live life with Jesus. As you learn to walk shoulder to shoulder with him, side by side, like an apprentice that's watching his every move and waiting for him to say, all right, jump in, my God. It's then that our souls are restored. It's then that our souls find fulfillment. It's then that we find this life that we're living is beyond what we have marked as purpose. And it's so much greater. Psalms 23 says, Surely your goodness and love will follow me all. No, verse 1. I'm sorry. Psalms 23, verse 1. I want to read all, all of Psalms 23, 1 through 6. Psalms 23, verse 1, please. I'll start reading it. It says, The Lord is my shepherd, and I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures, and he, lies, he leads me beside quiet waters, and he refreshes my soul. He refreshes my soul. And he guides me along the right path for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. And your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And you anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I want you to understand something that I think a lot of us miss when we read Psalms 23. David's talking about walking with the Lord. Everything in correlation of Psalms 23 is David saying it, but not in the absence of the Lord. The Lord is my shepherd. It starts off. What does a shepherd do? He walks with his sheep. He leads his sheep. He leads me beside still waters. He, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff. It comforts me. It's a constant proclamation that I am yoked to you and we are doing this thing together. But guess what he says? He says, you refresh my soul. What does real soul care look like? It's being intentional to be attached to Christ in his teachings. Your days will have trouble. But if you're walking with him, you'll never walk through trouble alone. You'll have disappointment. You'll have betrayal. You'll have pain. And sickness may even crouch at the door. But you'll never go through it alone if you yoke yourself to the Lord. And rather than these things depleting you and destroying you, God can restore your soul right in the midst of everything that's trying to pull from you. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Father, restore our souls tonight. God, I'm amazed that David said, you restore our souls. 
Because God, as I think of the work of restoration, I know it's messy, but God, I also know in the work of restoration, God, that that means that something's not right. And God, I realize, God, that there may be things attached to our souls and the souls of men and women in this room right now, God, and you're longing to perform a work of restoration. God, there's people in the sound of my voice that have been hurt by church. God, there's people that entrusted their care into people only to be turned around and be betrayed and, and hurt by them, God, and it damaged them in their soul. It depleted them in their soul. My prayer tonight, God, is that you restore our souls. Yay, even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with us, Lord. And God, the concept of you being with us brings restoration. The concept of you being with us brings refilling and refreshment. Holy Spirit, we invite you in this room right now to refresh every weary soul, to restore every damaged soul, to replenish every depleted soul. Do what only you can do. We say yes, Holy Spirit. Yes, Jesus. Do what only you can do. You're the watchman. You're the caretaker. You're the shepherd of our souls. Father, we thank you tonight that we can entrust our souls into you. Father, we take. I want you to do something tonight. If you feel led, I want you to. I want you to. I want to do a prophetic act tonight. If you will, if you want to be a part of this, come to the altar right now. Come, feeling led and sensed by the Lord to do this. This is going to be a prophetic act of what we're going to do. I want you to do this tonight. If you're coming, come, come quickly. If your soul. Mm. if your soul is in a place of depletion and you feel like you just not it, it is not well with your soul you realize tonight even in this message that you need to you've been good at self care you went and got your nails done but you need some soul care tonight I want you to do something tonight I want you to take your hands much like a like a a yoke on ourselves every heavy disappointment we release it now in the name of Jesus Woo. every betrayal we release it now in the name of Jesus and every bit of jealousy and envy we release it now in the name of Jesus every bit of strife we release it now in the name of Jesus every bit of hurt we release it now in the name of Jesus. Say this again. Say, Lord, we take your yoke upon us. We see that it is easy. And the burden is light. The joy of the Lord is my salvation. Some will trust in horses. And some will trust in chariots. But we will call upon the name of the Lord. We release every heavy burden tonight. We cast every broken yoke at the feet of Jesus. 
And we declare now that Jesus is trampling every yoke that we have attached to ourselves. The yokes are being destroyed. The yokes are being destroyed right now in the name of Jesus. It's a freedom. There's a release. There's a release. There's a release. Hallelujah. Just worship him right there. Worship him. Worship him. Worship him. Come on, just worship him. Hallelujah. Yokes are breaking. Hallelujah. There's some of you that have been holding things. Things have been holding on to you for years and they're being broken off. Oh, take my yoke upon you. See that it is easy and the burden is like, learn from me. Learn from me. Come to me. Spend time with me and I'll destroy every yoke. We release it now, Lord. We release it now. We release it now, Lord. Lord, we declare that we will prosper even as our soul prospers. No longer, God, will we be tossed to and fro, God. No longer will we waver between two opinions. But this day, God, we say we will serve the Lord. Jehovah shall be our God, our soon and coming King. We are the bride of Christ. We are anointed for such a time as this. And he shall establish us and place our feet on solid ground. We shall not be moved. And we declare, God, that every assignment, every task of every devil in hell is destroyed and broken that we can walk in the freedom of the Lord tonight and we call it easy and we call it easy and we call it easy and we call it easy. You know that commercial came out about the easy button. I want you to know there is an easy button. And the easy button is Jesus. And every time you learn to push into him, you pray until something happens. There'll be a release of ease. There'll be an anointment of ease to hit your life. Things that you've been struggling with will suddenly be slung off. Things that have been tripping you up, you'll begin to trample over. Things that have tried to stop you, you'll leap over them in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah.